This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Well, let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 21. We continue our study of the life of David, 1 Samuel chapter number 21. And when we last left David, he had, we found him in the field. He was awaiting news from Jonathan concerning Saul's intent. Jonathan, the son of Saul, uh, he had learned that his father had resolved to kill David, and so they had developed a plan that he would notify David by shooting arrows into the field, and depending upon where they shot the arrows, uh, then David would get the signal, and once the signal came, it was clear to David that he had to leave. He had to leave from the place uh, that he had come to love. He had to leave from his service of Saul, the king of Israel, his place at Saul's table, and he had to flee. And along his flight, he comes in chapter number 21 uh, to a city called Nob. So we begin reading here in 1 Samuel chapter 21, and we find David on the run. In verse number 1, the Bible said, "Then Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? David said unto Ahimelech, The priest, the king, hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, uh, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel." So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? 
Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would use your word in our hearts today and in our lives and that you would teach us through it. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remove from us every distraction, every thought that may keep us or occupy us and keep us from what you would have us to receive. May your people be instructed through your word today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We come to this text and we find that there are are many things for us to consider in it. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, David is on the run. And uh, just to give you a brief outline of the events that take place in this passage, uh, we see, first of all, here an unsettling encounter. There's an unsettling encounter between David and the priest. The priest is surprised to see David, and he is moved with fear at the sight of David. This helps us to understand that the people of the nation are beginning to learn that Saul is seeking David and wants David put to death. And they're not sure if David has been loyal to Saul or perhaps he has been disloyal. Their hearts have been turned to David because they saw David uh, bring great victory in the Valley of Elah. Uh, They know that David has led Saul's armies faithfully, but they're perhaps wondering what has happened behind closed doors and they haven't seen Uh, that they have not seen, rather, that has caused Saul to turn against David. So there is a a, a very disturbing climate in in this time. An unsettling encounter takes place. The priest is afraid when he sees David. And David, noticing this, then lies concerning why he is there. He says, I'm here on a mission for the king. That was not true. And oftentimes we find in our lives, when we're in a fearful situation, and we're concerned that telling the truth is going to make it worse, well, we decide to make it much worse by telling a lie. And that is exactly what David did, this unsettling encounter. Then there's an unusual request here. David is asking for bread, and there is no bread there uh, in the tabernacle except for the bread that was uh, presented before the Lord, the table, uh, on the table of showbread. There were 12 loaves that would have been placed there. They were holy. They were dedicated to the Lord. But each, each week, those loaves uh, would be uh, exchanged, and David was coming in at the time of the exchange, and so he was asking uh, for the bread that had been removed. It was an unusual request, but the priest granted it. Then we found in verse number seven that there was a man there. The Bible calls attention to him in verse number seven. A certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. Now, we won't read much more, or we won't read anything more of Doeg in this chapter, but we will read much of him in the coming chapter. And so we note here that this ungodly Edomite is here. 
And it's an unsettling thing to David, an unsettling thing that will prove to be a worse thing in the coming days. Then we see an unmatched weapon. David has no sword. He's on the run. He did not take a weapon with him. And so he asked if there was a weapon there. Perhaps he already knew the answer to that question. And the priest said, the only weapon here is the sword of Goliath, the man that you slew in the valley of Elah. And David said, I'll take it. There's none like it. And so there was an unmatched weapon. And then David takes the sword of Goliath and he goes to an unlikely place. He goes to Gath. Now, if you remember where Goliath was from, he was from Gath. David is leaving his homeland and he is fleeing from Saul. And he is so afraid and so fearful that he is willing to go to the hometown of Goliath. Now, what kind of welcome do you think David would have received there? He just killed their champion. Perhaps he thinks that he can hide himself there, but the Bible tells us that the, the Philistines identified him and said, wait a minute, this is, the, this is David. He's going to be the king. Now, it, it, would, it would appear to us that some of the Philistines may have been more discerning than some of the Israelites because they knew that David was going to be the king. And so now here you are, a Philistine king, and you have the future king of Israel, the one who killed the, the champion of your people in your city. What would you do with him? Well, you would take him, and that's exactly what they did. They took David, and David began to be fearful. And so David feigned himself. He, he put on an act, if you would, uh, to, to make himself appear as a madman. And his act worked because the king said, I have no use for this madman. Turn him loose. And so they did. This is an overvent of the events that are taking place. And we read of them in chapter 21. But we're going to find there are two books recorded for us, two psalms that are recorded for us that give us another perspective on the events that take place here in 1 Samuel 21. The first a psalm that I'd like to ask you to turn to this morning is Psalm number 56. Psalm number 56. And while we have this view of what is happening uh, in the life of David, uh, we find here in Psalm 56 uh, David's inward perspective, what is happening in his heart and in his mind as he is going through this very unusual circumstance, fleeing from Saul deceiving the priests, eating the bread, taking the sword of Goliath, and then eventually ending up in Gath. And in Psalm 56, if your Bible has titles over the Psalms, you're going to see that this Psalm is a miktam of David when the Philistines took him in Gath. So Psalm 56 was written, it was recorded while David was living among the Philistines in Gath, while he was being watched and while he was being held and detained by them. In verse number 1 of Psalm 56, the Bible says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Here, here we begin to have some insight of what David is dealing with. He said, Lord, I need mercy. Be merciful unto me, O God, 
for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. David's fighting enemies every day. He's in a daily battle. And he's not in a battle just against one or maybe just a few. The Bible says here in verse number two, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. And so David, worn and weary, confesses in verse number three, what time I am afraid. I will trust in thee. Here we find David in a familiar place. It ought to be familiar to us because we're all uh, touched by this, a place of fear, anxiety. He's afraid for his life. He doesn't understand why he is in the situation he finds himself in. He cannot understand that despite his loyalties that Saul hates him and wants him killed. His desire as the anointed shepherd king was to serve the Lord and to serve his people, but he doesn't have that opportunity. He's been cast aside. He's on the run. He's even dwelling now among the Philistines, and he's full of fear. We're going to note three things here as we consider this subject, what time I am afraid. We're going to notice, first of all, that it is a time of trouble. And then secondly, it is a time to trust. And then finally, it is a time of testimony. I want you to notice, first of all, with me this morning, it is a time of trouble. What time I am afraid? Well, it was a time of trouble. Notice, if you would again, please, here in verse number 1 of Psalm 56, be merciful unto me. O God, for man would swallow me up, he fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. Then note, if you would please, in verse number five, every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Here we find, as I said a moment ago, David's on the run. He's disappointed. He's discouraged. He's disillusioned. He's distressed. And who wouldn't be? Finding himself falsely accused and hated and cast aside by the man that he'd been loyal to. Here he was, the anointed king. He was a man who had seen God's power and provision. He escaped the hand of Saul many times. Goliath's sword did not prevail against him. He won the battle. He defeated the giant, and he fought many other battles, and and he won them. He led the armies of Israel, and he conquered the swords of the Philistines. But instead of thanks and gratitude, what does he receive? Hatred, enmity, betrayal from the king that he desired to serve. And David is experiencing a pain that is deep, and a wound that hurts because he has been betrayed by those he loves. If you've lived any length of time, you've experienced to some degree that pain. And you've reasoned within your heart, why why has this happened? Why would the Lord allow this to happen? As one author noted, God was putting to death the Saul that was in the heart of David. You see, God uses suffering God uses difficulty. God uses trial to teach us 
to put some things to death in our lives that would not otherwise be killed so that he may use us, so that he may prepare us. Remember, this is the shepherd boy. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the one that God has chosen. Saul was man's choice. David was God's choice. And God was working in his life through the trouble. And what this trouble produced in the life of David was fear. Fear. And fear causes us to do things we would not otherwise do. Fear hinders faith. Fear is the foe of faith. May God help us to exercise faith. You see, trouble presents us with an opportunity. It's an opportunity to exercise and strengthen our faith. And none of us enjoy going through it, but we're all going to go through it. Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And so you may be having trouble today that you're dealing with, financial trouble, relationship trouble, physical trouble, emotional trouble, trouble at work, trouble in your life that you never expected, you didn't want. You don't understand why it's come, but let me just say, it has come, and you're dealing with it, and you're wondering, what in the world is going to happen? How am I going to navigate this situation? How am I going to make it through this financial crisis? How, how, how is my insurance going to deal with this situation? <laughs> and we're looking at all the wrong things, aren't we? Looking to ourselves, looking uh, to the institutions of this world when we ought to be looking to God. You see, this trouble gives us an opportunity to exercise and strengthen our faith. It's easy to say that we have faith, but it can be difficult to exercise it especially in the face of circumstances that run contradictory. So this time that David is afraid, it's a, it's a time of trouble. Secondly, I want you to note, it's a time to trust. David can't deliver himself from this situation. He's one man against an army, an army of his own nation and an army of the Philistines, just one man. There's nothing he can do. In this trouble, he's vastly outnumbered. He's weary and weak and worn. He's come to the place where he recognizes that all he can do is what he should have been doing all along, and that's trusting the Lord. Notice again in Psalm 56 and verse number 4. He says, in God, I will praise his word. By the way, when we're dealing with trouble, that's the best place to go, to the Word of God. And that's the place where we need to learn to dwell. That's the place where we must learn to abide, in the Word of God. He says again in verse 4, In God have I put my trust. I went to the Word of God, and because I went to the Word of God, I have placed my trust in God. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. You see, David placed his trust in the Lord. This trouble brought fear into his life, and the only answer to fear is faith. And David is learning here to exercise his faith. He is learning here to trust in the Lord, to put his confidence in God. 
Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is it that you and I need in troubled times? It's what we need on all times. That is the word of God. And as we hear the word of God, as we rest upon the word of God, we then exercise faith and learn to trust God. You see, while these workers of iniquity were tirelessly, as David said, there were many of them, and they were daily oppressing him, while they were tirelessly conspiring to destroy David, he learned to find rest in what he knew to be true. And what did he know to be true? He knew that God's word was true. Notice in verse number 9, he said, when I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I, what's the next word? Say it with me, church. No. You see, he put his faith and confidence in what he knew to be true, and what he knew to be true is what God had said, and this was the result of it, he says in verse number nine, for God is for me. You see, while the enemy's conspiring against you, while things may in this life seem to be falling apart, while this world may seem to be unraveling, let me just say to you that all things are working according to God's plan, and God is for you. He's not some cosmic killjoy up in the heavens waiting to hit you over the head with a billy club every time you make a mistake not looking down from heaven with a scowl on his face, saying, I can't believe that sinner sinned again. I don't want to minimize sin. It grieves the heart of God. But God loves his children. And he's looking out for us. And he is for us. And I think some of us need to be convinced of that again. God is not against you. He is for you. From the cradle to the grave, friends, he is with you. In your youth, when you're scared to go to sleep at night, scared of your own shadow, as a young couple, when you're wondering how you're going to make it, or when you're old and gray-headed and health is failing and finance is declining, and you're concerned how you're going to make it from day to day, and fear begins to grip your heart, let me say to you that the Lord is working on your behalf. And David said, when I'm old and gray-headed, he will not forsake me. He said, God's working for me. All he could see before that was everybody who was working against him. But when he got in the word of God, he saw who was working for him. It was the Lord. That's why we need to spend less time on social media and on television and in the news networks, and, and we need to spend more time in the Word of God. We need more and more of God's truth, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. May we commune and abide with Christ in His Word because it is true, and 98% of what you hear out here is not true. Let's get in the Bible. It is a time to trust. Trust the Lord. Notice what he says in verse number 11. Because he knows that God is for him, he says in verse 11, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. He realized he was not, he was not in the hands of, of, of any human being. 
He wasn't in Saul's hands. He wasn't in Achish's hands, the king of the Philistines. He wasn't in his hands. He certainly hadn't been in Goliath's hands. He wasn't in the hands of his brothers who envied him and who hated him. No, he was in God's hand. I want to tell you where you are today. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in his hand. And he said, no man can pluck us out of his hand. No, no news, no developments, no diseases, nothing can take us out of the hands of our loving Savior. And so he says, I, I, I'm not afraid of what man can do to me. Notice verse 13, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. David could recount numbers of times that God had already delivered him from death. He said, wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? It was a time to trust. Paul writes to us in a very similar note, if you'll look with me in Romans chapter 8, and verse number 31. In Romans chapter number 8, and verse 31, Paul writes this, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, which he is, who can be against us? What a great question. If God is for me, then who can be against me? And who are those who are against me in light in comparison to the mighty power of God? Verse 32, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God provided the sinless sacrifice of his beloved son to die on the cross for you, to purchase your salvation, to give you the forgiveness of sin, to give you a home in heaven, an inheritance that fadeth not away, incorruptible. If he did all of that for you, do you think he's going to let you suffer and starve to death down here and not take care of you? No. But my God shall supply all of your need according to what? His riches in glory. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You see, while I'm dealing with fear here below, let me tell you what he's doing. He is up in the heavens on the right hand of the Father. He is interceding on my behalf. He's praying for me. He sees and he knows and he cares, and he has the power to deliver me. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. <laughs> David got a hold of this. He recognized, though I'm in in, in, in Gath, though I'm incarcerated, though Saul is trying to kill me, though Achish may want to destroy me, here's one thing I know. I'm more than a conqueror through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm dealing with trouble, Pastor. I'm dealing with trouble, and I don't mean to minimize your trouble. I really don't. I pray for you in the midst of it. But I want you to know that God is in control and he has brought this trouble. He's allowed this trouble to come into your life so that you might learn to trust him. The 
Let me finish the words of Paul in verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when David got a hold of that text, it hadn't been written then, but he got it in his heart. He said, I'm not afraid. This trouble has caused me to fear, but God has taught me to trust him. That brings us to a third note, and that is a time for testimony. I'm glad that David didn't just go through these things and, and we not know anything about it. I'm glad that the Lord inspired David to write about these things because you and I are going to relive these things. And the Bible tells us that these things that are written for us in the Old Testament are written for our admonition. They're written to instruct us and to encourage us in the midst of our own difficulties. There's a second psalm that David wrote as a result of what happened here in 1 Samuel 21. We find that psalm in Psalm 34, Psalm number 34. And we find that this is a testimony psalm. In Psalm 34, the title that is given, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. So here's what we find out. In the midst of this trouble, David comes away with two songs. The first is in Psalm 56 and the second is in Psalm 34. Think about some of the great songs that we sing. The songs by Fanny Crosby, who as a child became blind because the mistake of a doctor. Never had sight from the earliest ages. I think she was in her infancy when that happened to her. No memories of having sight. And she writes for us the most beautiful hymns. Think of all the songs that were born in that trouble. Songs that give us strength day by day. And what we find here are the songs of David. And this one is a song of testimony. The Psalm 56 is a song of trust and triumph. In Psalm 34, we have a song of testimony how that God delivered him in his trouble, how that God delivered him from his fears. And I think sometimes it's encouraging to hear testimonies like this. It just encourages us to know that if God can deliver him, he can deliver me. If God cares about him, he must care about me. And so let's, let's take note of this testimony. In Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Isn't that good news? And delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. <laughs> hey, you ought to try it sometimes. God hears. Just cry out to him and saved him out of all his troubles. 
Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now, David was trusting in the midst of his trouble. Now he's writing to us on the other side of it. And this is the heart of the message that I'm praying God will enable me uh, by his spirit to deliver to you who are experiencing trouble and fear. You see, as a result of David's trouble, he learned to trust in the Lord. And because of that trust, he experienced the triumph. Now, if you read ahead, you're going to know that for many, many more chapters and many, many more days and months, David is going to experience trouble, but he's going to live in victory in the midst of that trouble. And you and I can live in the victory in the midst of our trouble because Jesus has won the victory for us. Now, what do we see here in this testimony? First of all, we see a testimony of the Lord's provision to sustain David. David was hungry, right? He'd been in the field with, uh, waiting on Jonathan for several days. He couldn't go and join Saul at the table because he was afraid for his life. And then it was confirmed, you've got no more place at Saul's table. You see, he was a servant of Saul, a loyal servant. Not only a servant, he was the son-in-law to the king. He was a soldier for the king. He led the king's army. He had a place at Saul's table. But now he gets the news, you do not have a place at Saul's table anymore. So he leaves, and he comes to Nob, the city of the priests, where the tabernacle is dwelling. And he says to the priest, do you have anything to eat? I'm hungry, and I'm going to be out here for a while, and I don't know when I'm going to get my next meal. I don't know where he's coming from. Can you please feed me? I want to tell you, when you come to the Lord, he will always sustain you. But my God shall supply, as I mentioned a moment ago, all of your need according to his riches and glory. We can trust him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and 7, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. What things? The material things that you need in your life. Protection and shelter, food and raiment. He knows that you have need of that. And he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. The faith life is a life of trusting God, and he will sustain you with his provisions. He sustained David. David wrote these words in Psalm 23 in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He didn't have a seat at Saul's table anymore. He got a better seat at a better table. He went to the Lord's table. In the palace? No. Out in the field in the presence of his enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, God prepared a table for David right there in Gath because he wanted the Philistines to know that he was a faithful God. You know, the world, the world can see through our trouble and through our lives that our God is able to sustain us. And maybe the trouble you're facing right now, the difficulty that you're going through in your life right now is being used of God to show a lost and dying world that he is a faithful Savior. 
David, in his testimony in Psalm 34, again in verse number 8, wrote, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. God's going to meet your needs. He said, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Be not dismayed. Whatever be tied, God will take care of you. There's a testimony of the Lord's provision to sustain David. Secondly, we see a testimony of the Lord's power to strengthen David. David has no sword. He, he is on the run. He didn't stop to get his weapons. He has nothing. He's concerned that he's not ready for the battle. And so he asked the priest, do you have any sword or spear here? And the priest said, yes, we have the sword of David, the man you, or excuse me, the, the sword of Saul, the man that you slew. We have it here. It's wrapped in an ephod. If you want it, take it. David said, yes, I'll take it. There's none like that. Give it me. What did that sword symbolize? Because truly there was none like it. Remember, Goliath was a giant nearly 10 feet tall. Can you imagine how big his sword was? How shiny, how intimidating, how imposing that sword was. I mean, Goliath comes out on the, the floor of the Valley of Elah and he's getting ready to face the shepherd boy and he's got that sword in his hand and he's laughing and scoffing at that shepherd boy who takes a sling and puts a stone in it and slings it round and round and lets it fly and it hits that giant in the head and he falls to the floor of the earth and David runs and takes that sword that was designed for David's destruction. That very sword. And he lifts it above the head of Goliath and smites his head off. You see, that sword symbolizes not the strength of Goliath or the strength of man. That sword symbolizes the mighty power of God who was stronger than Goliath. Notice in Psalm 34 and verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. You see, there's a prophetic tone in Psalm 34. The prophetic tone speaks of the death of the Lord Jesus, and none of his bones were broken. It was customary at the cross for the soldiers to break the bones of those they crucified. But when they came to the body of Jesus, when they came to him hanging on the cross, they found that he was dead already. His bones did not need to be broken. You see, they broke the, they broke the bones of the victims of a crucifixion so that they would not be able to lift themselves up and they would ultimately die uh, from asphyxiation. But Jesus was already dead. None of his bones were broken. The devil thought he'd won the victory. The Roman soldiers thought they'd won the victory. 
The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who schemed and conspired to have him put to death, they thought they'd won the victory, but the very instrument that they had designed for his ultimate demise was the instrument that used that God used to bring glory and honor to him because on the third day, Jesus Christ arose from the dead, victorious over death and hell and the grave. And you see, the Lord said, there is no weapon that will be formed against you that can prosper. And David had that sword, and it was a reminder of him, not of the power of this world, but of the power of God. And I'm afraid as we walk about in this world and we see what's happening and we hear the roars of the enemies of God, we often get intimidated in silence and we begin to be fearful and concerned and worried about what's going to happen, and we forget that our God is able to deliver us. There's more power than any sword of Goliath. And so we see here in this text, this is a testimony of the Lord's provision to sustain David, a testimony of the Lord's power to strengthen David, and then finally, a testimony of the Lord's protection to secure David. As I said, David ends up in an unlikely place of refuge in the hometown of Goliath, among the enemies of God. And they know who he is. He's hoping they don't, but they do. They said, wait a minute, this guy, David, he's the one they used to sing about. We need to get a hold of this guy. And so they bring him into the presence of the king, and he feigns himself. He pretends to be a madman. That might not be a hard act for some of us, but it was a hard act for David. And he did it. And all the while, he's scrabbling at the door and he's letting the spittle run down on his beard. Internally, we have the words of Psalm 56 and Psalm 34. I cried unto the Lord. You see, he had no protection there other than the protector. And God was with him. And God delivered him. If God be for us, who can be against us? Are you going through trouble? Has that trouble brought fear to your life? Instead of bemoaning it, allow God to use it to teach you to trust him. You see, when things are beyond my ability to control them and manage them, I'm in a place where I have to cast my full dependence upon God. May God teach us in our trouble to trust him. Do you need provision? Trust God. He'll meet the needs. Do you need power? You're weak. You don't know how you're going to overcome. You have no strength, no power to resist the temptation of sin, no power. You're concerned that you're going to fall prey to the enticements of this world or the pressures of it. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Where does that joy come from? Not in how we feel, but in what we know. That's why we need the word. And then trust God for his protection. 
Oh, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me. If I get in the wrong hands, if things happen, if, if, if this becomes known, what's going to happen? Trust God. He will protect you. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.